Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Uh, welcome to It Could Happen Here, the podcast. The podcast. The, po- the podcast um, where we go, ah, every episode. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, when you open too many podcasts, you, you lose the ability to open podcasts. Anyway, uh, St. Andrew, um, th- this is your episode, so I'm going to let you let you take it, take it away. Take us on a journey. Hello, 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 hello. Hi. Good evening. Good afternoon and good night. Um, today we just wanted to cover a rather broad topic. I don't even know if it's going to be released before the end of February. Probably not. But in honor of Black History Month, um, I wanted to cover the history of Caribbean resistance to slavery and the different ways that manifested across the Caribbean. Uh, For those who don't know, um, slavery in the Caribbean took place for several hundred years, beginning with the enslavement of the Amerindians and continuing up until the abolition of slavery in 1834, at least in British territories. Um, Before then, there were 
multiple struggles um, against the institution, both passive and active, and in every step of the process. Um, and then, of course, post-slavery, there were also multiple rebellions and insurrections and strikes that took place in the region. But I can't cover the... Well, there are about 7,000 islands in the Caribbean, give or take. But I can't cover the histories of all of those for the past couple thousand years. But I will try to cover fairly generally the different forms of resistance that took place. Starting with, of course, the resistance that took place in Africa. I mean, even before uh, enslaved people were put on these ships, even before they were captured, there were measures that were taken to protect themselves from enslavement. There was, of course, flight in the sense of running away. Um, but there was also evidence of Africans moving their villages to inaccessible areas like mountains or, um, or deeper into the forest where it's less accessible for enslaved people, to, um, sorry, for enslavers to try to capture their people. One of the more famous enslaved people, um, Oluwada Equino, he founded a society in Britain after being enslaved and taken to the Caribbean and eventually moving to Britain after becoming a freedman and starting the Sons of Africa abolitionist group. He had written his own autobiography, The Interesting Narrative of the Life of Oluwada Equino, in 1789. And he detailed some of the horrors of slavery from an enslaved person's perspective. And so a lot of what we know about slavery and how it occurred uh, comes from his personal account, among others, of course. So he spoke about some of the measures that were taken in his own village to defend against capture. But um, he, after being ca captured, of course, from the Kingdom of Benin around 1745, he ended up being taken on the slave ships, separated from his families, and carried with 244 other people across the Atlantic to Barbados, and then eventually taken to Virginia, and then from Virginia being bought by a Royal Navy lieutenant and eventually being freed. During the voyages that occurred, and there were multiple during the whole triangle trade, it has been said that one in ten of all Atlantic crossings through the Middle Passage had some kind of rebellion. Whether it be through taking control of the ships and attempting to seal them back to Africa with the assistance of the crew or without, or of Africans battling against other ships, um... Or in one case in Amistad in 1839, some Africans were taken captive above aboard a cargo ship and they freed themselves, killed the captain and the cook and forced them to take them back to Sierra Leone. But instead, the owners of the ship ended up taking them to the United States where they were captured by the Coast Guard. Jesus. Yeah. So... Mm -hmm. It's a lot. Um, one slave ship surgeon, 
guy named Alexander Falconbridge, became an abolitionist because he saw all the, well, first of all, he saw the horrible conditions that were present on those ships in the Middle Passage where, you know, hundreds of people were shackled together and crammed into these tight, enclosed, dark, wet, infected spaces for weeks on end while being taken across. And of course, a lot of the so-called cargo, the people who were en route to be enslaved, were killed by the conditions present on those slave ships. However, despite the fact that, you know, so many people were dying from the terrible conditions of the ships, the slave trade was so profitable for the um, enslavers and for the economies of the colonial nations that it was still, they were still, not, not, they were still not only able to break even, but profit massively from the excursions. And even though the Middle Passage got more and more dangerous for crews as rebellions became more and more expected, production for more shackles, more weaponry to keep captives secured arose in England and helped to secure some of their um, travels. Of course, there were also times where Africans would burn the ships they were on or where they would jump off of the ships, as I'm sure many people remember Killmonger's um, famous final words in Black Panther. And from what I remember, the first enslaved people who arrived in Hispaniola immediately ran away and were able to escape before being recaptured. Once um, enslaved people arrived in the horrible conditions at the various colonies in the Caribbean, one of the major projects of their colonial overlords was to convert them while in the process of, you know, enslaving them. Of course, a lot of enslaved people were dying very rapidly due to the diseases and the terrible working conditions they had to endure. But for those who did survive, um, separated from their families, from their ties to kinship, from really their home and everything that came along with it as displaced indigenous people, they had to figure out ways to maintain and protect their cultures um, from, you know, naming conventions to craftsmanship, to language, to philosophy, to beliefs, to music, to dance. These are all elements of African cultures that would provide psychological support for captives who needed to resist the process of enslavement. Because enslavement is an act of breaking the will and erasing the humanity of the enslaved, practices like voodoo um, in Haiti or obia in Trinidad and Jamaica were able to strengthen the revolutionary efforts of rebellious Africans. And so in the Haitian Revolution, you know, they were fueled by voodoo and the ceremonies that occurred then and were able to 
eventually, you know, free the people of Haiti and establish the first independent Black Republic in the New World in 1804. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. So other forms of cultural resistance and one of the main forms of cultural resistance was the preservation of African culture through creolization, through the melding and the hiding in some cases of elements of African culture with um, European cultural forms to create these new cultures and new languages. Um, Creole is one example, particularly Antillean Creole, which is related to Haitian Creole. These languages helped to maintain um, some measure of identity for people who are be actively being stripped of it. Women, in particular, played a major role in this process of cultural resistance and cultural preservation because in African societies, they were African societies were often matrilineal and matrilocal. And women played a key role in passing traditions on to their daughters and other young women and 
to the community at large through storytelling and through um, the sharing of skills and beliefs and ideas. And so African women played a major role in keeping that tradition going and that lineage going, maintaining the memory of people like Anansi and Br'er Rabbit and Mamadalu and Sukiyant and all these other folkloric figures who bear the marks of African traditions. Women under slavery also had to do what they could to resist the consistent um, violence, sexual violence that was um, being done to them by their colonial masters. Um, Abortion and um, birth control um, and other forms of resistance against sexual assault, resisting their masters, feigning illness, all of these things worked to not necessarily protect them, but to keep them going and try to stave off the worst elements of violence that was being done to them. As I mentioned, the Haitian Revolution and it being fueled by voodoo and whatnot, it really scared planters across the Caribbean and across the world, really. Like, this was the first time something like this had ever happened before. And I'm sure uh, the U.S. audience knows a bit about the consequences in the U.S., how, you know, Southern slave masters were so terrified by the Haitian Revolution, how France um, imposed restrictions on Haiti and how the U.S. and other European powers were complicit in that attempt to strangle the first black republic. But there were cases in other parts of the Caribbean where planters, um, in their terror, used the Haitian Revolution as an excuse to crack down on the enslaved. Um, For example, in Trinidad, in the Christmas of 1805, the Haitian Revolution ended in 1804. So in Christmas of 1805, the planters were so afraid and had already seen some acts of poisoning that were occurring on some of the estates because part of the cultural resistance involved the passing down of certain recipes and poisons and concoctions. And so many enslavers, you know, fell victim, quote unquote, to poisoners. And so they had to try to find a way to prevent what they saw was a planned uprising. They basically invented this idea of a conspiracy in their paranoia that was meant to wipe out this entire slave-holding population Trinidad in one go. So, of course, as historians have uncovered, the conspiracy most likely didn't actually exist, or, or maybe perhaps not to the, the scale that um, the slave owners thought but it was more so an attempt um, by the planters to impose greater authoritarian rule. As Christmas Day in 1805 approached, the details of this conspiracy, of this plot, started to be uncovered by the planters. 
um, they thought that, you know, at this place called Shan's Estate, enslaved people were organizing to launch the the revolution. And of course, this terrified them because at that point in time, the enslaved population was somewhere around 20,000, whereas the white slave-owning class was like half that number. And so the authorities declared martial law and apprehended those involved, if they were even involved. Oftentimes, they were not. But it does bring attention to an important part of enslaved resistance, and that being the conspiracy and actual existence of slave secret societies. Secret societies are something that are is something that's common in the African mainland, where tribal rights and initiations and advancements through those rights um, in secret groupings would occur um, to sort of denote levels of rank or maturity. And so in Trinidad slave society, as different tribes mixed and mingled on plantations, for security reasons, these secret societies continued, but had assimilated some European systems of order and designation. So they gave themselves names like major or captain and described their societies as regiments. And the echoes, the descendants of those societies still exist to this day in Trinidad. They are highly obscured. I honestly don't know much details about them. I just know that I have some friends whose relatives um, are involved in those secret societies and in some places like for example Grand Coover where enslaved people seized the land and sort of held that land and kept it and passed it down across the generations um, such secret societies and membership in such secret societies is not unheard of so is is what the the modern-ish versions of them do like what 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 are they doing i guess like these days if if that's something that is i don't if, know much okay. about um about them or how they operate yeah and so I, I don't think all secret societies in trinidad are descended from enslaved secret societies like obviously not there are other um secret societies there are societies of doctors and of lawyers and different trades um, there are, of course, Mason groups as well. And I only know the most um, superficial details of most of these groups. Yeah, it's an interesting thing that comes up a lot. There, there's a whole bunch of like these sort of secret society groups that like wind up being part of the 1911 revolution in China, but they sort of like, most of them kind of go bandit like after the revolution happens. And so it's, it's interesting to see I guess like different contexts where they don't seem to have like just overtly turned into organized crime groups. Right. What's the, so like organized crime groups descended from secret societies in China. Yeah. Like the well, triads, for example. Yeah. I, I actually don't think the triads descended from them. A couple of them joined the communists. A lot of them kind of got wiped out in the sort of just general warlord fighting. And then some of them kind of got stomped up by the communists because they were 
basically turned into organized like their own organized crime things that were sort of distinct from the other ones that existed but right Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. There were seven major rebellions in the colony of Jamaica between 1673 and 1686, and several others in Antigua, in Nevis, in the Virgin Islands, in you know Barbados, in just across the Caribbean. There was continual African resistance and rebellion, and that really is what struck fear in the slaveholders at the time. In one case, um, in 1733, during the Amina Rebellion on St. John, which is part of the Danish Virgin Islands, or was part of the Danish Virgin Islands, the African insurgents took control of the island for six months before being defeated. And the most slave rebellions really occurred in Jamaica. In fact, more than all the other colonies more than all the other British colonies in the Caribbean combined. Um, one of the most famous of the Jamaican rebellions was one that started in 1760 by a man known as Tacky, and it lasted for over a year before being suppressed by British colonial forces. Because Jamaica's population was massively 
um, overwhelmingly black in comparison to the very small minority of large slaveholding whites, they were more likely to launch and more likely to succeed in slave revolts. Um, slave revolts are more likely to happen, of course, where slaves outnumber whites, where masters are absent, where there's economic distress, where there are splits within the ruling elite, um, and when, you know, large numbers of native-born Africans from one area abroad in one time, which is why they often had to split up their the people that they captured so they wouldn't be able to collaborate with their kin. We often remember the flashier forms of revolt, such as the revolt in St. Joseph in 1837, led by Daga, who was a former African chief in Guinea and the leader of the 1st British West India Regiment. Um, he mutinied along with 240 men and although they were taken into custody and sentenced to death, they marked just one example of the sort of bold actions that were taken by enslaved people. In Tobago, um, in the year 1770, there were numerous armed revolts over the next 11 years, from 1770 to 1801. Six armed revolts, one by, led by an enslaved man named Sandy in 1770, two in 1771, one in June and the other in August, one in 1773, another in 1774, another in 1801. And so these revolts are not concentrated in one specific area of the island. They would happen, in some cases, over the entire island. Tobago was, of course, separate from Trinidad until 1899, where it became a ward of Trinidad and Tobago. But, and so their histories, the history of Trinidad and the history of Tobago, were separate, running separately for the first couple hundred years of the age of colonization. But Tobago's history of resistance is still connected in some ways to Trinidad's history of resistance in the sense of the bold actions that were taken by enslaved people. Of course, not all resistance to slavery was so bold. Day-to-day resistance was by far the most common form of opposition to slavery whether it be through feigning illness, staging slowdowns, pretending ignorance, deliberate carelessness, arson, sabotage, breaking tools. These sorts of expressions, while they reinforced previously held perceptions of enslaved Africans at the time, they also were ways of enslaved people to express their alienation and to sort of carve some level of space or breathing room or to give themselves some sense of catharsis in that brutal period. And so what we see is a sort of continuum of resistance from that sort of individual level of slowing down or feigning ignorance or what or whatever to the sort of broader cultural p- methods of passive resistance, such as you know, cultivating and passing down culture and cultural memories to the more bold aspects of resistance, such as revolts and rebellions and revolutions. And of course, there was 
the practice of marunage, both petite and grand marunage. Petite marunage was an effort by individuals or groups of enslaved people to escape from their plantations um, permanently sometimes, but usually for a limited amount of time to escape mistreatment, to negotiate better treatment, or to even just catch a break, honestly. Grand Marunage is more commonly understood and recognized, where communities of fugitive slaves would establish communities on the fringes, in the swamps of Louisiana, for example, or in the um, mountains of Jamaica. And these maroon communities have been established since the very beginning, since the early 16th century, when the first enslaved Africans were brought to the Caribbean by the Spanish. They would often unite with Amerindians, whether it be, you know, Tainos or Kalinagos or Guahanatabes, and unite with them in their resistance, in carving out settlements or strongholds of safety. For example, in 1546 in Hispaniola, there were over 7,000 Maroons among a slave population of 30,000. After the island was split between the French Saint-Domingue, which, which is now known as Haiti, and the Spanish Santo Domingo, which is Dominican Republic, in 1697, Maroons took advantage of the hostility between France and Spain to maintain settlements along the border between the two throughout the period of slavery. In addition, there were Maroons in Cuba, in Puerto Rico, and in some cases with Puerto Rico. Fugitive slaves from the Virgin Islands would literally set sail to Puerto Rico to settle and escape the enslavement there. In Jamaica, of course, there were many Maroon communities. And in fact, there is still an active Maroon community in Jamaica to this day that has persisted and maintained their traditions. Um, in St. Kitts, in Antigua, in Barbados, in Martinique, and Guadeloupe, all of these islands have had maroon communities established. Um, however, as European cultivation of the islands increased, and as Europeans ventured further and further into the islands, into the depths of the islands, it became more and more difficult to establish maroon settlements. Because if you look at, especially some of the smaller islands, it's kind of difficult to hide or to establish any sort of sustainable community on the fringes of an island that you could easily jog from one side to the other or, you know, walk from one side to the other. Of course, even on those smaller islands, there were still attempts to maintain maroon settlements, such as in St. Vincent or Dominica. In St. Vincent, the Garifuna, which are an indigenous group mixed, who mixed with Africans, preserved their, their independence against both French and the British. And they ended up spreading to, um, if I recall correctly, Central America as well. And so the Garifuna community is still very much alive and well to this day. In Jamaica and Cuba and Guadeloupe and in Hispaniola, Maroon communities were able to last longer because they had um, more mountainous terrain to hide in, particularly in Jamaica. Um, but there were also maroon communities 
on the South American mainland. You know, in Brazil, there was the famous maroon community or Quilombo known as Palmares, which has existed for nearly 100 years from 1605 to 1694. They resisted invasion by both the Dutch and Portuguese and had at least 10,000 organized um, members ready to defend their um, population. They were governed by a king who used the political traditions drawn from Central Africa, but they unfortunately were eventually destroyed. In the Guyanas, French Guyana, um, British Guyana, which is now called Guyana, um, Dutch Guyana, which is now called Suriname, Maroon communities were also able to establish themselves and they still persist to this day due to the um, Amazon rainforest and the riverways that allowed them to conceal themselves from colonial encroachment. Of course, in the US, there were also maroon communities like the Black Seminoles of Florida or the maroon communities in, um, I believe it was Louisiana. In most places, of course, maroon communities were not very large um, or often did not last very long. They were usually small guerrilla bands led by an elected chief. But of course, these small bands, in their, although they were small, that sort of protected them to some extent from detection and from recapture. In Cuba, for example, there were hundreds of small maroon communities and they were guarded and they, were, and they had their settlements guarded by ditches and stakes and secret paths. And these settlements communicated with each other while remaining isolated so they could grow their own crops and hunt and fish and trade in peace, sometimes with other islands, in order to prevent, again, capture and destruction. I think there's a lot that we can learn from the different forms of resistance, small and large, that enslaved people undertook throughout the period of colonial settlement and expansion and enslavement. Elements of their practices that I think could be applied to today's struggles. Do you have any thoughts before we wrap? Yeah, one thing I kind of want to plug is... Uh... Russell Maroon Schultz wrote a really interesting, I, I don't know exactly what the the name for it, essay, I guess, called The Dragon and the Hydra, which is yes. a study, yes. yeah, yeah, it's called Dragon and the Hydra, a study of, a historical study of organizational methods, and it's about basically a comparison of, like, different, different kinds of resistance to uh, colonialism and enslavement that talks a lot about the maroon movement talks about sort of the 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 the, the problems that these sort of like highly centralized top-down movements ran into versus the kind of stuff that the that these sort of more decentralized uh less hierarchical maroon movements face and it's it's really interesting and i it's pretty short so everyone should just read it because it's great yeah 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 he covers the u.s haiti suriname and Jamaica, and, you know, how those different maroon communities dealt with their conditions. I'm pretty sure he wrote this from prison, too, if I'm remembering my timeline history correctly. Yeah, so I, I highly recommend folks give that a read. I mean, I don't want to give the impression that maroon communities were these, like, 
valiant utopias. I mean, in some cases, Maroon communities were manipulated um, against the other and often in exchange for maintaining their autonomy, they were made to sign treaties where they would have to turn in um, fugitives. So it was not by any means a perfect situation to be in, but they were trying to cough out their survival. Yeah, I guess. Do you want to plug your stuff? <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter at underscore Saint True and on YouTube, Saint Andrewism, where I have lots of stuff. I mean, if you were interested in, for example, the details of how spirituality played a role in African resistance, I have a video on that. If you were interested in, you know, how Oluwada Ikwainu established the Sons of Africa group and how that was one of the foundations of what eventually became the Pan-Africanist movement. I have a video on Pan-Africanism that you could check out. So, yeah, that's it for me. That was great. I didn't know there were still maroon communities, actually. Yeah, yeah. The one in Jamaica, Mm -hmm. um, the one in Suriname, they are still very much alive and well. Yeah, that's fascinating. Ah, St. Andrew, thank you for that. That was wonderful. And uh, that's that's our episode for today. So go home and doom scroll for several hours, probably. Or or do something productive. Or like take, a something nap. Productive. Take, a take a nap. Take a nap. Walk outside or something. Pet a cat. <laughs> Bake some cookies. Hand know. out food to people who are hungry. You know. Bake some cookies and then hand out the cookies to people yeah. who need it. <laughs> or doom scroll. You know, all productive things that are. Gonna Some significantly more productive you. than others. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, friends. That's uh, that's the episode. Peace. It could happen here as a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, CoolZoneMedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.